0: You're listening to Bonafide and Badass, the podcast designed to give you an authentic behind-the-scenes look into the Western industry's top creatives and brands. I'm Kenzie, your host and the mastermind behind the Bonafide Cowboy brand. I'm a full-time Western brand photographer, and now I'm dipping into the education space to help like-minded creators do what they do best by sharing my own stories and the stories of others making waves in our industry. So get ready for today's episode. Um, I'm back and I'm so excited for today's guest. Um, She's normally on the other end of the hosting side of things. And so this is kind of fun because she gets to be in the hot seat today and answering questions and uh, everything. So I'm really excited to introduce you to Allie Spears. Um, She's a host of the Ag Chicks podcast, um, which she's graciously had me on prior to this. Um, as well as we originally met at one of my photo shoot retreats and she's modeled for me. So um, she has some experience in a variety of different um, areas within the Western industry. And so we're bringing her on to give just a little bit of a different look into another type of, I guess, creator that we have um, within the Western industry. So welcome, Allie. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be in the hot seat. (laughs) (laughs) So go ahead, um, tell our listeners a little bit about you and maybe uh, your background and what you're doing now. Yes. So
1: I originally grew up in uh, Northern California on my family's generational uh, farm and ranch there. And then I came to Texas in 2014 to attend Texas A&M and totally fell in love with Texas and the way of life here and the people and everything and so That kind of changed my plans a little bit because I always kind of thought I'd go home and take over the farm and ranch. Um, But then, uh, uh, let's see, in 2020, like everyone else's world, got turned upside down. Um, We went home from my job as a program coordinator for the Department of Poultry Science, and I was sitting at home with the dogs, (laughs) and I was kind (laughs) of thinking, all right, now what? (laughs) <laughs> and that's really kind of where my podcast started, Ag Chicks. And from there, it's kind of taken off into this exciting adventure that I was not planning for and um, has kind of transformed into this whole community and platform. And since then, I have decided to go back to school since I'm at the perfect place, in my opinion. And I am working on getting my PhD in agricultural communications um, to kind of add back into all the things I'm doing with ag chicks and telling agriculture story, hopefully better.
0: I love that. No. And I think that's great. And I guess, can you tell us a little bit, like, what was your original goal for ag chicks and maybe where is that morphed to? Because I I feel like people, a lot of the times go into businesses and uh, ventures with these expectations for it and then get little bit worried when things change. Um, and in my own experience, I've noticed like some of the best changes have happened when I just kind of let them happen naturally. So what, what was your original goal or what did you really like originally think this podcast would do? And then how has that like changed over the years?
1: Yeah. So originally I honestly started the podcast because I felt like I had really been disconnected from my roots in agriculture and like the western way of life and so I kind of thought what are other women doing in agriculture and what are kind of their roles in um, on their operations or businesses and so that's really where it started and if I'm being 100% honest I was not totally plugged into to like the western influencer thing um, even advocates on social media like I really had no concept of that until I got Started with the podcast, and so I kind of had some heavy hitters. Like first off, right out of the gate on the podcast, and that kind of launched it into this. Like, oh my god, I'm a podcast host, and it was like this realization of like, oh my god, like people are expecting me to put out episodes and like keep up with this because they're enjoying it, and it was like this kind of overwhelming sense of okay, this there's clearly something here, um, and it it gave me the platform to kind of navigate what I wanted to do a little bit clearer in life, but then also gave other women a chance to share about their stories and really kind of build a community around women in agriculture, which was not something I went into it hoping or expecting, but has kind of evolved over time.
0: Yeah. And I love that. I think that's so cool and so like unique and, and being able to share, um, I've listened to a couple of your episodes. Um, and one of them was with, um, Oh gosh, I'm going to forget her name. So forgive me, but she is the owner of uh, Alcallis Boots. Um, yeah, Linda. Linda, yeah. And I loved her story and I think it's so cool. And I think what podcast has done is not just provided like entertainment value these days for people, but like also uh, uh, educational value and an appreciation too for some of these products that are out there. Um, I just did an episode recording with antler rings. And it was so cool to see, I mean, how much like these businesses are actually caring, um, for our, our, uh, our industry and, and doing more than just selling a product. And I think, um, seeing, you know, the, the people behind the industry really helps you draw that connection. And like you said, there's such a, I think there's such a gap between the Western industry and and outside of it, and we're not as connected to our roots, and you're doing a great job sharing those again and, and seeing people's whys for why they're doing the things that they're doing. Well, thank you so much. And, and kind of like you
1: just said, the gap, I mean, that's a real thing, right? And so for me, it started out talking to women in agriculture, but then I kind of realized, this is a way for us as an industry to connect with consumers. And that's something that, again, I wasn't really thinking about initially, but now I'm literally <laughs> focusing on that in my PhD. And so how can we as an industry do a better job of telling our story? And um, really, you know, I was thinking, oh, we have to show them facts and we have to tell them, this is how we do things and this is why we do things And yes, that's all important, but people don't care. They don't want to know the statistics. They just want to know the story behind your generational farming and ranching operation or a first generation woman in ag who is doing it all on her own. And that's what really people can connect to. And so I think and I hope Ag Chicks has kind of allowed that and hopefully it can grow um, into something that connects everybody together a little further down the road, too.
0: Yeah. I love that. And I think, um, that's something, you know, I used to notice when I did, um, when I used to host the endorse podcast, it was geared towards rodeo athletes and helping people with that. And and the one thing I learned is it wasn't that like the facts weren't there and the statistics and the rules and the things that protect our industry weren't there. It's not like that was happening. It's that this, there's this disconnect between people and their roots. And, you know, you look at the way, like my parents grew up my dad didn't necessarily grow up on a farming family, but like he had farmers that lived down the street. He went and helped pick apples out of the orchards. Like, you know, he'd go and help people on their farms and, and doing stuff like that. And so he might not have been raised in it, but he was raised around it. And, you know, and, um, my mom, she, same thing, wasn't really raised in it, but her dad used to do a, you know, he used to have a pig farm. He used to do all of that. So you know, my grandpa had this connection and into that. And, um, you know, and really I didn't grow up in a family that had any connection necessarily to ag other than we moved out to a ranch with 60 acres. And eventually we got a free horse, which if you guys all know, the free horses aren't free, um, (laughs) they cost lots of money. And then of course, cause lots of, um, future money to be lost as well. But, um, but like I didn't have that background either. And the only reason I got into it is because I got involved in p- programs like 4-H and my parents had friends that you know had the connections. And and so and you think about those people that grow up and, in cities where they never leave like their one, two, five block radius and, and never get to see any of it. So they don't have it any information behind it. They don't have any connection to it. And all they know is what they've been taught, you know. And if Programs like PETA are doing such a great job of, you know, putting their activists out there and spreading a lot of false information. What they know is only what they've been taught and what they've seen. And so that disconnect is grown, I think, so much larger than what it used to be. And so I think there is this huge need, I mean, in in all of the industries from like, and, and that it can start in all of the industries, even through Western fashion, even through uh, the farming, through the rodeo, through all of that side, if we want to continue to do what we do, we need people like you telling these people stories and trying to give people, I think, a reason to connect and a reason to understand so that, you know, we don't lose our sports that we love and we don't lose our, lose our heritage that we love and the things that we've built for years and generations have worked on. Um, you know, there's, there's a small amount of us now doing what we're doing but we've got to be the best at what we do because we're under such a microscope, I think.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, the gap is going to continue to grow as generations get further and further removed from where food comes from. And so I've always been a huge proponent of, agriculture has a beautiful story. The Western industry has a beautiful story, but do we do a really crappy job of telling it. And so like having all of these touch points and initially that's kind of why I got into like the Western fashion type situation of things on, on, um, Instagram and sharing all that because I thought people like Western fashion has kind of become a mainstream thing now. And so if that's a way that we could pull someone in (laughs) because they see a picture of me in cowboy boots and they're like, Oh, Hey, I want her boots. And then they start looking at my page and then they start reading about cattle and agriculture. And like, that's another way to pull people in. And even like the women portion of my podcast and my platform, those are the people who are mostly in the grocery stores buying products to take home to feed their families. So we can just as an industry come up with these little touch points where it doesn't have to be something crazy, but, you know, talking about being a woman or talking about your boots on Instagram, like those are just simple ways to pull people in that we may not think of in other realms or Uh, ways to connect with people.
0: I love that. And I think that's so smart. I mean, there's just this, like, I think if you're in the Western industry, right. And you, you hold a platform, whether you're a photographer, uh, whether you're an influencer, you know, whether you're a business or a brand, I think that there is this really cool opportunity to share what we love and what we do in this lifestyle that we live but it comes with such a responsibility on how it is done and done correctly. Um, You know, one of like my platforms that I've kind of built my business on is this idea of being authentically Western. That doesn't mean that I'm not going to still have Western fashion styled shoots. That doesn't mean any of that. It just means that I'm going to pay attention to, you know, things like, like to me, the things that I value, I want to make sure the horse that's in that thing looks good, the equipment looks nice. Nothing is like pulling and looking like a horse is getting its mouth ripped out. Not that saying that that happens, but like the wrong photo can make that look bad, you know, and it's just a a hot second of time that you caught that photo. But if that's the only photo that people see, that's, they're going to look at that and be like, that horse looks abused. And it's like, no, at that point he was yawning or doing something stupid or somebody was turning him around and he made that face. Like, but we don't have that opportunity to always back up our photos or back up the content that we're putting out there. That first thing that we put out, like that is saying something, that image, that those words. And so I've been a big proponent of like, you got to really hold yourself professionally. Like you know it's it's why i think it's important you know i'm not a huge fan of the fact that everybody thinks that cowboys are just dumb and and you know drunk idiots and it's like i get that that might be the only time that you interact with them is like maybe when you run out after a bar after a rodeo or something but like these people i mean a lot of them still go to college a lot of them you know, maybe they didn't go to college, but they had grandparents or parents that taught them. And like, they're some of the best advocates that we have out there, but sometimes they don't get the best rep. And that's the part and that we have to battle because, you know, Hollywood's not doing a great job of it because they're just doing what they know, which we can all giggle at, but at the same time, it, it hurts us and it hurts what we're trying to do.
1: Yeah, that's a huge thing, I think. And when I do sometimes for speaking engagements, I have this a couple of slides where it shows how a photo can be changed to something negative, to where, you know, the picture was taken and it was a cow in a chute. She was getting calf pulled. She had trouble calving. But then an animal activist group took that and turned it into, oh, she's going to slaughter and she hasn't even given birth and blah, 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 blah. And so for me, when I talk about, you know, telling your story, Now, I don't think everyone needs to tell their story because that, like you said, can hurt us sometimes. But if you are confident in it and confident that you can do it in a way that portrays things, like you said, authentically, correctly, and doesn't, isn't going to take us back five steps, then by all means, go for it. But when you are hitting publish on things, you know, really thinking about, is there an opportunity for this to be turned in a way that I wouldn't know or think about? (laughs) I mean, I had an instance, uh, we have Willow, if, if anyone listens or knows and is familiar with Willow, Willow was our bottle calf that we got so kind, of, <laughs> kind of at the start of this whole podcast launch. And she's been a part of our story of growing a herd in Texas and all that. <laughs> um, but she had a calf in May. It was early. There was something wrong with it. And I my initial reaction was, oh, my God, people are going to want to know what happened to Willow and this calf. Like, I better make a post about it. And then I stopped and thought about it because this calf, calf did not look healthy. It looked oh. like there was something wrong. And so I thought about, you know, if I put this out there on my feed, who's to say someone's not going to take this and turn it into an activist post down the line. So I shared it through stories because I knew it would go away in a couple of hours and talked about it there. But really being conscious of if we are going to be strong advocates for in these industries, what's the best way to do that, I think is an important thing to think about.
0: Right. And I think that's just like something that for people to take is like being mindful and whether or not you grew up in the ranching industry or you have all the facts, like even if you don't know all the facts, but you're still in this industry, maybe in the fashion component, it wouldn't hurt to have some sort of background, some sort of knowledge or somebody that you can refer them to. Um, when I used to do rodeo queening stuff, we were always told not to answer necessarily, um, don't ever lie. You know, don't ever lie. If you don't know something, don't lie. Just, just admit, Hey, I actually don't know the answers to that, but, and then the part that you were supposed to fill in is I will find somebody that does, and I will still answer that question for you. And that way, you know, one, you're not spreading false information or making it up. And I think sometimes we get that feeling of like, um, oh, they don't know any better. I can just say whatever the heck I want. And we think we're being funny or, or you know, uh, clever, but really for somebody who doesn't know that and they're taking it seriously, that joke might not actually be helping us, but actually hurting us. So I, I think what you're doing is is great in spreading that and and being that advocate that I think we need and And I I think we need more people in that, you know, in whatever capacity that you're in, in this industry, you do have that social responsibility to help promote this culture and, and share it and not gatekeep it necessarily, but like promote it so that other people can love it the way we love it and actually understand it the way we understand it.
1: Yeah. And there's, Now, I mean, there's so many resources that if this is something that you wanted to pursue or start sharing about, there's so many resources out there that are helpful and factual um, in so many classes. And um, I mean, if like I have kind of made it into a business, you can definitely do that if that's something that is interesting to you. Um, It's a lot of work. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. Initially, when I started this, I was like, oh, I'll post a few pictures on Instagram and it'll be fine. Yeah, there's so much more than that, to all of this. Um, but there's a lot of help and resources out there. And the agriculture community is so close-knit and helpful and supportive too. So um, if someone is listening and they're like, hey, I don't even know where to start, please don't hesitate to reach out. like Like Kinsey just said, if I don't know something, I'm sure I know somebody who does that I can point you in the direction of.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. And there's a lot more advocates I would say out there than there has been. And social media has been great for that. Um, however, social media can also hurt us on that same aspect. So, um, but on that same topic of social media, what has been your relationship with social media? How, um, you know, on, on the personal side, but also on the business side, right? Like, you know, how are you keeping boundaries, but also like, how are you being intentional of what you're doing and what are, how, how do you use social media to help you in your business? Yes. That's a great question. And it's
1: something that I don't have the perfect answer for because <laughs> I'm still figuring it out. Oh, but I, <laughs> I am a very private person, which if you go to my page, you may not think that because it looks like, Oh, she shares everything. But one thing that I learned very quickly, um, and actually Natalie Kavark was someone who kind of shared this with me. She said, draw boundaries of what you want to share about. And then you only share about that Those are the things you have a list of five things and that's what you talk about. If you don't want to show your kitchen, don't show your kitchen. If you don't want people to (laughs) see the inside of your house, if you don't want people to know what your office looks like, don't show that. And so that was something that was really important for me personally, because I felt this pressure of here goes all of my privacy. I'm going to be now online for anyone to see and hear and look at whatever I'm doing. And that was kind of a big changing point for me and turning point where I realized my stories it looks like i'm being active on them all day when in reality it's like five minutes of my day and i can dedicate five minutes to take a few videos or share some stuff and then it keeps engagement up and i look active on there and everyone's good um but that was something really hard to kind of figure out especially initially when you're kind of trying to grow and you're caught up in this whole imposter syndrome and comparing to other people who look like they're doing all these things um And also a big changing point for me happened actually right after the photo shoot we did in Vegas with you. Um, That was such an amazing opportunity and such a really good snapshot for me into kind of the realm of the level it has to be for the Western fashion kind of industry and that space and sharing online. And I had a big realization of I can't do that. Like I cannot keep up with this constant, like having to do a shoot, having to buy these clothes, like having to talk to all of these brands. And so for me, I took probably about two months off after, um, NFR and Christmas and I didn't really post cause I kind of felt like I feel like a fraud. Like, I don't know what I'm talking about on here. Like, yeah, I like, I like Western fashion, but I don't eat, breathe, sleep it. And I don't really know how to share it. And even like in my posts, I felt awkward because I was like trying to do all these crazy poses and like, it was just not me. And so right after Christmas, I had a um, random, I had a brand I was working with and I had to do a couple pictures and I called my photographer who lives up, who I'm great friends with that lives close. And I said, Hey, I need like 10 pictures. Can you come over tonight? And we did a photo shoot and it was like literally 30 minutes. And she got some of the best pictures I've Think I've ever taken with her. And she looked at me and she was like, Why are we not doing this? And I was like, Yes, this is me. This is authentic to who I am. This shows my lifestyle. This shows exactly what I want to be portrayed as online. And since then, that's what we focused on. And I literally on my page, you can, if you go back and see, you can see an insane amount of growth on my page just from when I made that point. And so I think that goes back a little bit to what you talked about in terms of being authentic just because everyone else is sharing about Western fashion and doing these insanely beautiful shoots, but it doesn't feel right. You don't have to do that. You can do what works for you and you can use your iPhone to take pictures. Like it doesn't have to be this crazy elaborate thing. Now I will say I mostly use a photographer just because it's easier for me and I can knock out a bunch of content and one sitting. um, And I like the way that it looks and everything like that, but it, it doesn't have to be, this elaborate thing. And, um, for me, the biggest takeaway in terms of making boundaries and privacy and all of that kind of stuff was really just figuring out what felt like me online and being that person.
0: Oh, I love that you say that. I think all of that is, is so good. And like, I'm right there with you. I, you know, I, I've, um, I've changed a lot and I think that people need to understand your business, the things that you're doing, your goals, they're going to change. Like they're, they're going to change from, from the fact that maybe you just don't like it as much anymore, or maybe you thought that this would be a good Avenue and it's not. And I change stuff in my business all the time. Um, I am not afraid of it. I think it's something that I'm like, you know what, this was great. It didn't work. Or maybe this was great and it did work but I didn't like it. Like it wasn't me. Um, and that's how you, uh, you you know, that's how you grow and that's how you become better in business. And so like, don't run from change. Don't get nervous. Don't, don't get upset when things change. I think you have to learn how to be super adaptable, especially because things are going to be very different. Um, one thing I look noticed this year is, um, because of supply chain issues and whatnot, a lot of my brands couldn't provide products like they used to, and and they couldn't send them and on a timely manner like they used to. And it wasn't because they, they wanted to, or, you know, they made that choice. It was because of like, literally wars going on across the world that I have no control over. And so you have to learn how to adapt in that industry. And I, I love what you also said back before, um, on just showing and showing up authentically and, and being there authentically. I really struggled with that too. Um, and I think like a lot of people would say, you know, they're like, Oh, you share stuff all the time. And I'm like, but I don't share a lot of the other stuff. And like back in the beginning of this year, I re- like specifically remember a couple of times where I had a couple different friends who I haven't seen in a while that messaged me and were like, Oh my gosh, you're doing such cool stuff. I absolutely am so proud of you. Your life looks amazing. Like uh, Arizona looks like it's a great time. And meanwhile, during all of this, my life was a complete and utter shit show. I mean, things were just falling apart. I had broke off an engagement. I had a, a childhood friend die in a tragic accident. Like my life was literally just crumbling and not saying that that means that like, I, I needed to share that. I mean, yeah, that was authentic to what was happening. But there is just that point where I think you know you need to be able to grieve by yourself sometimes, or you know, if you're a private person, like I think there's there's points and in, in in areas in your life that you can keep private. You know, I wasn't always one for sharing much about my relationship, not because I didn't want to. It was more so because I just didn't think everybody needed to be involved with it. You know, like I'd share the happy moments and the stuff like that. And, you know, but I'd also share struggles that I was going through, but only to an extent where I think it was appropriate for my business um, because it still is a business. And that's right. where you're right. at too. Is like, yes. I still run a business. I don't need to be the soap opera. I just want to be like real and authentic with people. So like now I'll tell people different things here and there. And I think the most on social media was in Um, I have a private Instagram account for friends and stuff. And I think that was the first time I ever shared anything about breaking off my engagement or doing anything like that. Um, and now I'm a little bit more open to talking about, you know, my life and things like that, but I still have boundaries, you know, and I think that's something that people need to realize you can be authentic. You can share your struggles. You can be real on social media. But you can also have boundaries and things that you don't share. You don't talk about because you don't have to, like right. no one's asking and, you to.
1: <laughs> and honestly, too, you don't owe that to anyone. I think there's like sometimes this pressure of like, oh, I owe, to, I owe them to tell them what's happening or, <laughs> you know, and, and you don't like they are. Most of these people, as much as I love everyone involved on my social media platform, I've never met them. And so what they think of me or what they say (laughs) doesn't really impact my day. And so, you know, just, you don't owe that to them.
0: Yeah. And I have people all the time, like, you know, when they do ask me about something like that, I'll just, you know, and I'll, I'll tell them like, Oh no, like we're not together anymore or something. They're like, Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I'm like, don't be first of all don't be like that choice. That was something I had to make. That was something on my own, but also like, you wouldn't know, like you don't have any reason to know. You don't have any reason to be sorry. Like it's, it's okay. Um, with all of that. And like, I think it's okay to understand, or I, or I think let me backtrack on that. My words are hard today. I think, um, (laughs) uh, you have to remember that the people that what we're sharing on social media, like I've, I'm really curated. I'm at a point where I love my Instagram feed. I really have curated it to create this, um, strategic way of posting so that, you know, when I have potential brands or people or clients that want to work with me, they can go on there and they can see the type of work that I produce, see the type of photos that I take. So that they understand it. And because I've created that, that also means that I don't share all the other stuff going on and because it's a business. And so remember that those accounts, other accounts like me and, and you and whatnot, like we post all those cool things and all the good stuff, but we're still real people behind the screen. We're still real people going through real things. And, and so even your favorite influencers and brands and stuff like that all are dealing with their own issues. So that like feeling of comparison, like you don't have it together. Like you got to remember, there's a lot of these influencers that are still working full-time jobs outside of doing the influencing. Yeah. Same, you know, there's also lots of, you know, brands doing other stuff. I mean, we're still struggling. And even though it looks like we've got these wins, you know, uh, you, you don't know what all other issues they're running into. You don't know what their expenses are, right? Like, you know, I've got five horses, like that stuff costs a lot of money to feed. I might look like I'm doing really well, but like it comes in and it goes back out. Like, you know, it it's so anyways, I think I'm done with my rant, but basically it's not as cool as it all can seem all the time. So like, don't get in that feeling of comparison, like you're not there or whatnot, because like we're all people struggling too.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I think for me, at least I feel like you if you go through my feed and look at dates, you can tell when my life gets crazy <laughs> because I just disappear for a little while in terms of posting, yes. but like, that's okay. And for a while I really struggled with, Oh my God, it's the third day of the week. I have to have a post go out. I don't know what to say. And then I would end up just like throwing something out there that was just random and it didn't feel right. It didn't make sense. And so I've gotten out of that. I don't post unless like, (laughs) I love it. And I get into these creative grooves where I'm like, yes, yes, yes. (laughs) Knock them out. And then for two weeks, I'm like, I have no idea. And so it just, it just goes in ebbs and flows, just like life, like social media sometimes can replicate life. (laughs) Um, And yeah, I think it, it's, there's a lot of pressure surrounding Social media, and um, I think even now, like having a small business and being your own boss and all of that. And speaking as someone who's like a serial entrepreneur, I always joke, (laughs) like, yes, I'm doing all these things, but I also work a full time job and I'm also going to school full time. And so, like, we're people, like, like you said, we're people (laughs) behind all of this. And we have emotions and feelings and relationships and family and friends. And there's just, there's a lot going on. But at the end of the day, and for me at least, when I look at my personal page, and like you said, you want people to see the brand or the brands people to see what they expect when they look at your page. I kind of was taught that you should use your business page as kind of like your resume. So if someone was to quickly scroll through it, they could kind of get a good idea of what you're all about, what it would look like to work with you, what it looks like to follow you. And so that's kind of the mind frame that I've kept at the forefront, as I've been through these ebbs and flows of life of, okay, if it's not relevant, don't post it. And if it doesn't go with what I'm trying to portray, also don't post it. So yeah, hopefully that's helpful. that again, that was also kind of a rant, but this <laughs> stuff, it's not easy. It's not easy. No.
0: no, and I think uh, like on that same note, like I um before like leading up to Vegas and doing that 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 last year, I, really was trying to be so intentional on social media and trying to keep up with the trends and doing all the stupid reels and, and, and trying to do what every other social media influencer was doing. Not that I wanted to influence, but I was trying to utilize, you know, okay, well, they were using this and teaching this. And so I'm going to try to like, take what they're doing and make it my own. And, and I put so much time and so much effort into it. And I was so burnout and I was so burnout after Vegas too. And granted, I put so much effort into planning that sucker. And then I got COVID like the month right before. Um, and I'm so glad I did plan like I did because then actually when I got there, everything ran fairly smoothly and I had it all together, which was super nice. Sorry. My dog. Um, and I, like I had it all together for that. And like, I feel like that event still went well. It was great. But when it was all said and done, like I was fried, I was so fried. And then I was moving and doing all of that. And I literally just like, I disappeared for a couple months. And, um, you know, that, that took a toll on my business. I will say that just because I wasn't continuing working it. I wasn't growing and you definitely have to be in it to grow and, and to do that stuff. But like, I needed that mental break too. And so then, you know, I was dealing with other personal issues and it wasn't until after um, I did a, a, the last hooked on business retreat with, um, my friend, Anna, um, I did that last retreat and it wasn't until then where I finally, um, I finally quit worrying about it. You know, I finally was, was like, um, I think it was Alexa who told me, um, savvy Alexa, she told me to basically just post when I wanted to post or what I wanted to post, um, And I apologize if that wasn't her that told me that, but basically like quit worrying about what you need to do and trying to be overly strategic about it. And, you know, if you want to plan out your feeds, but like that, that's great. That just didn't work for me. And it just wasn't something I was having a hard time authentically batching content and doing stuff like that. Now there's still times where I can batch like some content here and there, but like I really just needed to show up with what was on my mind at that time and what was relevant to me. And so like, I don't go into social media anymore with that. Like, Oh, I'm going to be super, super intentional about it. Like I have my own little like methods to my madness and, you know, I'm consistent with it. And like, I'm consistent with the type of content I'm posting and like, you know, the best thing they told me was you're wanting to work for brands. Like, what type of brands are you wanting to work for? And if that's like, start showing the type of content that you would produce for them. And before I was doing fashion photos and stuff, which was great. And I mean, part of working with brands is doing a lot of Western fashion, but I wanted to also work with alcohol brands. I wanted to work with jewelry brands and other stuff like that. And they're like, you need to showcase what that content would look like. So then I was like, okay, so I don't have to actually have a brand deal to take photos of something like that. Like, and then I just utilize stuff I had around my house and, you know, I'd take photos of it there and then put it up. And then the brand deals started coming back in because they could see the content. They could see what they were looking for. So, um, that was a little sidetrack, but I, I'm with you on that. I think sometimes you just have to take a step back from social media when you need it and not worry about it and not worry. I mean, I've grown, organically this whole entire time, you know, like, I think I tried boosting one ad or one photo to try to get more followers. And I feel like the people that came from that just weren't honestly like people that wanted to see my content anyway. And maybe I don't know how to do the ads. Right. But like, it didn't get me any more than if I just posted the things that I liked posting and, you know, let, let things grow organically the way it has. And the number of followers hasn't stopped my business. So I think that's great. And I think that's something to remember uh, when it comes down to it. And I don't know if you see the same thing in yours as well, but I definitely did.
1: Yeah. I think for mine, it's been a little bit different in terms of the business side of things, because I would say now, like right now is probably the most business it has been. I mean, it's, I've been creating content and too i want to frame that like i don't consider myself necessarily like an influencer by any means like i have a podcast i share online about it i do work with brands occasionally but like that's not my main goal here um i would say just recently i've really put a focus on like public speaking engagements and so that has kind of been a whole nother thing that's evolved from this um but going back to alexa because i love her and i also (laughs) went to anna's retreat in like november of last year. Um, but I remember her saying I have, um, you know, I don't have a huge amount of followings or followers, but I made, uh, you know, six figures this year. And like first it like just kind of stopped me in my tracks. Cause I was like, okay, I was putting so much emphasis on like getting the next follower. And we, I haven't even talked about this, but my mom and I also have a home decor business. And so that was something that her and I would like struggle with because we were trying to grow that page as well, because we were thinking like, Oh, if we just get to 10,000, then they will be, we'll just, we won't know what to do with ourselves because we'll be so busy and packaging orders and stuff like that. And so it's just this, that's not what it's about from a business side. Social media is an important tool to help you get to where you want to get, but it's not end all be all. I think that sometimes even like personally, I get caught up in the fact of like, Oh my God, like my engagement went down or whatever. (laughs) And like, who cares if you're getting the, if you're connecting with the people you want to connect with, then like, who cares? Really? No, one's ever going to ask you like, Oh, from this time to this time, how many followers did you get? Like, you know what I mean? Yes. I can tell you because I look at the analytics, but that's not what matters in the grand scheme of things.
0: No. And I mean, like, I think, you know, the, the part where maybe the analytics play in is like, I've noticed on the podcasting side of deal, people want to know listener count. They want to know things like that. But like, I have never had a brand deal yet where they have explicitly told me no, because I don't have the number of followers now. Right. I have heard a lot of no's and I've heard a lot of not right now's, mm-hmm. but they have never been like, mm, you're not a big enough creator. Like I, right. that's the, like, I have not heard that. And who knows, maybe some people have. And if they have, you don't want to work with them anyways because they don't know what they're talking about. Um, Frankly, micro influencers are just as effective these days. If you haven't looked that up, I mean, like, really, I would look into it because, like, having a smaller following is still just as effective. Um, And like we've said, or I've said in a couple of the other podcasts before, you can buy followers now. So, Not saying that your engagement's going to get any better. However, sometimes those numbers can look false. And so brands are noticing that, people are noticing that. And having the number of followers might at first make you look more legit, or maybe for you, it makes you feel more legit. But that's the part where you have to rewire, I think, your mindset on it of like, the number of followers does not value my skills, does not like what other people think, like you have to value yourself and, and set that value and then not let anybody else convince you otherwise. And like, you'll get pushback from people who are close to you. You'll get pushback from people you love. I mean, like, you know, you'll get pushback from people closest to you first. And that's really hard sometimes, I think. Um, I don't know if you ever kind of got that at the beginning, but like I definitely did within my own family and friends. And um, just because if you're doing something new, sometimes, you know, the the people close to to you worry about you and are looking for your security. And sometimes starting new ventures is not super, you know, monetarily like secure or yeah, yeah. (laughs)
1: luckily I have a very supportive, uh, family and boyfriend. Thank goodness, because he, he just looks at me and goes, do you really think that's a good idea? And then I have to think about like, maybe it is, maybe it isn't, but he's super supportive. And my parents are super supportive. They're like my biggest number one fans. Like my dad is the first one to watch my Instagram stories every day. Like he's hilarious. (laughs) Um, and working with my mom helps a lot too on that side of things. Um, but Yes. I've had lots of friends who either like do not follow my like <laughs> business pages and then will kind of make comments here and there about things or like, oh, you're still doing that podcast thing or, you know, X, <laughs> Y, and Z of, of whatever may be happening. Um, but I think if you truly figure out what you want to do, which first of all is not as easy as it sounds because no, you don't always know, or you start something and you realize, Hey, this isn't exactly what I thought it was going to be how do I tweak it to make it profitable, which is a huge thing in some of this. And, um, you know, how do I uh, go back to all of the other things we've talked about? Do it in a way that still reflects me, reflects the message I want to get across. And then, um, realize that you may lose some friends along the way and that's okay. Because then if they aren't going to support you, then they probably weren't worth having in your corner to start off with.
0: Right. Oh, totally. And I know that. And you know, I think also there's just that fact of sometimes you just have people that are in your life and they'll still be in your life, but they're not interested in that topic. And you just have to chalk it up to like, it's fine. You know, like I had a friend for years and she's still a great friend, but she just wasn't into podcasts at the time. And she didn't listen to them, which was fine. I I would just update her on outside of that stuff. Like, you know, and it was great. And that worked for us, but, um, you'll definitely, I think here and there see pushback. Hey y'all, you know, my favorite question to ask a lot of my guests is what is their favorite productivity hack or tool that they use in their own business? And today I'm going to share mine with you. I am absolutely in love with HoneyBook. HoneyBook is a client management software and it helps me stay organized. And I really, I think that you might like it too. I have access to thousands of templates. I can create plenty of automations. I have a calendar and scheduling that integrates with other software. And of course, my favorite part is integrating my invoices and my contracts. You guys know that I am obsessed with contracts and HoneyBook has been a game changer for that. You can also integrate this with your QuickBooks and plenty of other platforms. So click the link in the show notes and go check it out guys, because you can get up to 20% off your first year. And that's a steal. Hey friend, have you checked out my merch store yet? Well, if you haven't, I fully believe that you should because I absolutely am in love with my new hats and sweatshirt and all the other fun stuff that you can get on there. But that's not the point of this. No, the point of this is to share a little secret with you, and that's Printful. It's my secret weapon. You guys, if you're like me and you don't want to take care of the whole fulfillment, packing, shipping, and you would rather focus on the designs and marketing of your business, you need Printful. You could create beautiful merch for your business, for your clients. And you don't have to do a thing with inventory or backstop. That's the power of dropshipping. So check out the link in the show notes and give Printful a try. Hey friend, have you thought about launching your own podcast? Well, if you have, Buzzsprout is hands down the easiest and best way to launch, promote, and track your podcast. You could be online and listed in all the major podcast directories within minutes of finishing your recording. Podcasting isn't that hard when you have the right partners and the team at Buzzsprout is passionate about helping you succeed. Honestly, I love the resources that Buzzsprout has to offer and having produced a podcast before, I'm so glad I chose Buzzsprout this round. By following the link in the show notes, it lets Buzzsprout know that I sent you and it'll get you a $20 Amazon gift card if you sign up for a paid plan. Plus it helps support our show. So if you are waiting for the right time, I'm telling you it's now. Take this and go get started. But moving on to some of my next questions, what do you think your biggest challenge has been in your role in this industry so far? Um, We might've touched a little bit on it, but I guess what is your biggest challenge more so in your business right now that you're facing and like, how are you handling that?
1: My biggest challenge is time, which may sound weird talking about myself, but I have (laughs) so many things going on, uh, all due to my own doing. So I can't really blame anyone else. Um, but (laughs) I, I think for a long time when I was in college, I was really burnt out. If that makes sense after like high school doing everything and being involved in everything. When I got to college, I was kind of just like, y'all be involved in what I need to be involved in, but like, I'm just going to have a good time and good class and, you know, chill out for a while, which once I graduated and kind of got into this, career aspect of my life. I had like a, a weird moment where I felt really stuck as far as I didn't know what to do. And then once I found what I got was very passionate about, it was like 1500 doors opened and I didn't know which door to go through. And so for me, I, I, I want to be currently like, I want to be involved and have my fingers in everything, which is just not a realistic expectation for me as an individual, but I still try (laughs) and I um, find myself running out of hours in the day sometimes. Um, So I would say time in terms of, Like making sure I'm responding to emails and getting all of my schoolwork done and eating at some point during the day and following up with things with junk and disorderly, my mom and I's business, and then my actual job as well, you know, making sure I'm performing well here at work. And so just I think juggling all of these things, people always ask, you know, like, what's your secret to success or balancing? Um, there there is none. Like I don't have balance. (laughs) But because I am so passionate about the things that I'm doing. And because I finally found like purpose in my life and like have a very clear direction of exactly where I want to be and what I want to be doing, I just, I kind of have made it work and that's probably not a healthy way to describe that or talk about that. But it like I, I can go to bed at the end of the day and know like, okay, I got as much done as I could today. Tomorrow's a new day. And like, I'm still working towards the goal. Like I'm just, I'm grinding <laughs> down towards the goal. And so. Again, I don't know if that's a healthy way to think about it or do it, but that's just probably the <laughs> biggest challenge for myself is figuring it all out because it's it's not easy and there's not a roadmap to this. I think no. in a lot of other business ventures, you have a very clear like, okay, here's my startup cost. Here's my inventory cost, X, Y, and Z, advertising budget, all that kind of stuff. These are uncharted waters, especially in our industry, I feel like you know, there's been different facets of this in different forms, but for me, the, the kind of goals I'm working towards, I don't, there isn't a roadmap. There isn't like a checklist to do things. So I'm kind of making it up as I go and really trying to figure out like, okay, if I do this, what's going to be my return on that and all that kind of stuff. So very long worded, a long winded answer to that, but that's kind of where I'm at right now. <laughs>
0: No, I love that. I honestly, I think you and I are wired so similarly. Um, I used to say all the time, like I was a jack of all trades type, you know, person, like lots of different things that I had going on. And, and when I first started right after college, I mean, same thing. I dove into so many things that I almost burned myself out. I mean, just ran myself dry and you know when i was also working my corporate job i was doing a lot of the same things i was doing in my business there and um that's actually why i kind of got out of graphic design and web design um i used to do a lot more of that but now i only do it for like a select handful of clients and it was because i burnt myself out and and i just i wasn't classically trained in it as well i didn't have a degree in it and so i was all self taught and i think i was getting to a point where i was like you know what there has to come a point where you either need to expand your education in this topic so that you can keep up with um, other graphic designers that maybe went to school for it and whatnot, or you need to step back from it. And at the time I wasn't as passionate about it and I was jumping into photography. And so I went ahead and I was like, you know what, I'm going to step back. I'm going to do graphics for the clients that I continuously like I, I have on a continuous basis Um, and I'll keep them. And then I just do it for myself when I need it. And that was, you know, a decision that I had to make. And it wasn't that I hated doing it. It was just that I realized like, this is not where my passion was anymore. And so I was able to devote more of that time to other stuff that I was passionate about. And, you know, I think that's fine. Like, I think especially for people like us who have so many different things we like to do, we almost need to explore those areas So, that we either one learn something from it, which is always great. I look at every opportunity as a learning opportunity. Um, You know, whether or not that goes bad or it goes well, you know, I can be like, okay, this works for me. Or I can be like, that doesn't work. Let's try this. Or, you know, I learned that or I'll add that to my contracts. Like, you know, every opportunity is this opportunity, I think, for us to grow ourselves. and, And so we almost have to explore those things. I think for us to, to really keep building, you know, the businesses that we're building. And I'm, I'm a lot like you in the sense of, I feel like I don't really have a roadmap to where I want to go. I I can see kind of the vision for it. I can see kind of the future. Um, It's a little bit blurry, you know, and, and, and it could go in different directions, but I keep experimenting in different areas ultimately so that I can make those decisions and be like, all right, well, this is what I want to do. I do enjoy doing this. And I think we have to like that. And I used to have people tell me all the time, like, you just need to cut back. Like you need to slow down in some areas. Like you need to do less in this area or do less in that area. And, um, and I don't think people wired like us work that way, you know? Yes. I I think if I I have extra time, I'm not okay.
1: (laughs) Yes. No, I'm so glad you said that because I know I've gone to multiple business retreats and business trainings and stuff. And I'm like, you know, I have all these things going on. Like, I think my biggest problem is I just need some focus. Like, I don't, I don't know how to focus on things in terms of like, which the next step of things. And so then they'll say, oh, you need to cut out X, Y, and Z. And it's kind of like, well, I can't because they all work together. And if one thing takes off, the rest of them is (laughs) going to take off. So like, I don't know. And that's, I think, hard for people to understand, which again, thankfully for junk and disorderly with my mom. That's another, that's like literally could be its own podcast episode, but, that um, is that, uh, it's great to have heard about stuff off of someone I can trust. And like, she has to love me at the end of the day.
0: So it, that works good. I love that so much. I, yeah. And that's, I'm with you on that. And I think it's okay knowing that like everybody operates differently and like, you can still get really great sound advice from people, but if they don't operate the way you do, that doesn't mean that, you know, not taking their advice is a bad thing. I mean, it's, it's just doing what ends up working for you. I think it's great to try things new. And I think it's great to uh, learn from other people, but I've also learned in some of my other podcasts that I've had um, podcasts and I I listened to some different audio books and stuff. And, um, and it was also just being really mindful of who you were taking advice from and, and the fact of like, are you taking advice from people doing what you're doing or maybe doing something similar to what you're doing or in the industry or at a point in their life that you want to be at? Um, or are you taking it from people who maybe don't understand your industry? Don't understand what you're doing. Don't understand your goals because the conversations are going to be different, you know? And, um, I, you know, my parents have been so supportive of my business and I love them and I ask them advice on different topics all the time. Um, but there's also certain topics that I don't ask them for advice for. And that's just because they, they won't understand it like, like the way, and not because they're dumb, not because they're not capable of it. It's just more so, um, you know, they're not on the social media side of things. They don't understand these platforms. They don't understand what's going on in the industry right now. And so it's hard for them to understand some of the struggles that I'm running into because they're not, a part of this industry. and um, and that's hard for people to understand and learn, but um, but it is a part of it, I think.
1: Yeah, and I would say that's probably another challenge for myself is not knowing who to talk to about some of the stuff, and not because I don't trust people, but because I, they don't they're not gonna know what i what I have questions about anyways. So who do I find <laughs> like to have help me bring all of these thoughts that are swirling around in my head, like, to one thing. And like, okay, this is, this is the step you need to take. And so I feel your pain in that, I guess is what I'm trying to say.
0: (laughs) Oh yeah. I think for us, it's, it's hard when you're doing stuff that people haven't done before, haven't done in maybe a certain capacity. And it's, you know, I'm not saying like I'm reinventing the wheel by any means, but like, you know, there are things that I'm like, people don't operate like I operate Mm -hmm. and I understand that. And that's okay. Um, but that means we have to do the research and we have to listen to different books and come to our own conclusions and and take parts and pieces from a lot of different people. And I think that's where building your network has come into handy and just learning. I, I think that's one reason I love the podcast um, aspect of things because we get to talk to lots of really cool people and take parts and pieces from them and go, Oh my gosh, that's genius. That can help me here. That can help me there. Or, um, and that's why I ask people things like what's your favorite productivity hack or what's, you know, the best piece of advice you've gotten or different things like that because it's like sometimes those things are, it's more selfish than anything. Like, like, Oh, "Oh, that's (sighs) great. Thank
1: you. (laughs) A hundred percent. I always joke that the podcast. Yes, I do it for other people, but I mostly do it for myself. I mean, it started (laughs) from a very selfish point of view of like, "Hmm, yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do. So let me ask other people and pose it as a podcast and see what happens. And that's, I mean, (laughs) I always say, I hope at least one person gets something out of it, but
0: really, it's going to be me. So we're going to be fine. (laughs) I'm the one person. So it's fine. I know I'm like, even if I guess nobody ends up listening to this podcast, at least I got to talk to all the cool people I wanted to talk to. And like, that's how I've been picking my guests right now is I'm like, all right, who do I want to learn from? Like, what do I want to know? And, uh, you know, people I have a lot of respect for in this industry. And I'm just like, all right, like, tell me what you know, because, um, you know, because we can't be the only ones wondering, we just might be the only ones asking. You know. Oh yeah. Yep. Yep. I uh, definitely agree. I love it. All right. Well, um, as we get towards the end of this, what is your why? I, I think we've touched a little on it, but like, what's what's the thing that drives you every day?
1: So for me, there's a background story if we have time. But oh, yes, go for it. So I was at a uh, recruiting event for my job. And there was an individual that came up to me who highly educated a professor in a, one of the departments here at a and And she asked me, well, um, I can't believe, or she didn't ask, she said, I can't believe that people still eat white eggs. And I kind of looked at her and I said, excuse me, ma'am, like, what do you mean? And she said, well, I can't believe people still eat white eggs and that they um, are still allowing commercial poultry to grow in the way that it does. And it kind of stopped me in the tracks, first of all, because I work for the poultry science department. So I was like, how do I phrase this in a way that I'm not going to lose my job? But then also (laughs) it, it hit me because I thought, if here we have an highly educated individual who works for the College of Ag and she's coming up and asking these questions, we're not doing a good job here. No. And so that was something that happened um, probably even six months before I really had this like come to Jesus moment with myself of like, what can I do? How can I start this process? And then the second part to that is we found Willow. And that was kind of my sign to get back to my agriculture roots and the ranching side of things and cattle and all that stuff that I truly missed being in Texas and not on our family operation. And so that is really kind of where my why started. It was because I felt like people don't understand and someone has to continue to share our story. And if maybe again, kind of going back to the thing about maybe if it impacts one person, then I've done my job, but really trying to figure out how to do that is kind of the next level of the why i guess and i don't have a perfect answer and like i said that's kind of why i'm getting my phd because as i found and navigated this world of advocating for agriculture i was kind of like we're missing something here there's there's the marketing industry there's all these other industries that are doing things to get their message across to people why can't agriculture do that and so that's really kind of where everything came from i guess
0: I love that. I think I, I have on that. No, I have a side story on that, too. And you said that uh, there was a I was in college and um, a little more fiery than too. my mom sent me this article that was written in our paper as a letter to the editor. And this was in our local paper. Oh, and it pissed me off royally because the guy that wrote it was basically he goes in and tells everybody that cow farts are the whole reason behind you know, emissions and greenhouse gases and, and cow farts are basically ruining the world type of a thing, type of an article. Cites one source, which is the Cowspiracy website, which I'm like, God, you picked the most biased source to start and then signs it with his name and PhD at the end of it. And I went, yeah. you piece of crap. Like, you know, nothing about this topic. I go in and I wrote a letter back. They never published it, but I did share it. It got shared on social media a bunch. And I went in and I point by point basically disproved them with cited source. I was in college. So, you know, I've got all my sources in there from like USDA and all these other like actual, like, I don't know legitimate sources and go through there. And I was like, and you started this whole article based off of a fact that was proven wrong within the first sentence. But the problem is, is you wrote all of that, signed your name and put it in the paper as an opinion piece. And it's like, come on, dude. Like that's not an opinion. And basically his he's vegan. And his whole point is you will save the world by becoming vegan. And like, mm-hmm. and I'm like, None of this, none of this makes sense. None of it has logic in it, but who knows how many people read that and went, oh my gosh. Yeah, you're exactly right. Like I should really like watch what I eat and stuff like that. And I'm just, and it, same thing. It pissed me off and fired me up. And really mainly because I'm like, you can't come in and say all these things and say that you're an expert in it and put your PhD at the end of it. So it adds some legitimacy when you're going to cite one source the entire time and it's going to be from a very conspiracy website, <laughs> like,
1: like yes, I just had which, to
0: like, yeah, it's frustrating. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I'm in a communications class right now. And so I not a part of, Ag com, but like on main campus, and so the first week I signed up to do the recent research report or whatever, and didn't really know what I was getting myself into. But (laughs) I went into it, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to be that kid. I'm going to be that girl. I'm going to use all ag-focused articles to share. And the kids, or I shouldn't say kids, the students in my class were shocked. They were like, I had no idea that that's not how this worked. And again, I mean, we can't be mad at people if they are being fed misinformation. Right. I mean, they wouldn't know if if not told otherwise. And so that kind of just feeds all back into my why of, you know, what I'm doing and how I'm hoping to do it all. But yeah, it's, it's scary in some regard, because how did we get so far from, from the truth?
0: I don't know. It dumbfounds me too. and And that's the thing is like, at that point, that kind of stuff really fired me up. Now that kind of stuff makes me sad. Now that kind of stuff makes me go like, okay, we really are doing something here that you know, or we need to do something here about all of this and help people understand. And that's where I think if if people can take more of the mind shift of, it's not that they're stupid; it's because they have not been taught or they don't know any better. They just don't Um, know. Yep, they just just don't don't know.
1: know. Yeah or they heard a voice that was louder than ours, right? And so that's the yeah. one that they're following. Uh, people ask me like, oh, how do you deal with activists in your comments and all kinds of stuff? And honestly, I don't mind it because again, it boosts engagement, <laughs> but also <laughs> also, um, you're not gonna change those people's minds and that's not who yeah. I'm after. I'm after the people who may read those comments though and think, oh man, had maybe they had some good points here. So I try to take the approach of responding in a respectful manner you know, from most of the people who are commenting, we live in America. What a great opportunity we have to be able to make those choices of how we want to eat and live our life. Um, and all I'm here to do, I'm not here to tell you what to eat, how to live your life. I'm just here to give you the information so you can make that educated decision for yourself and your family.
0: I love that. I agree. And I think that's what more people like, you're not out here to change people's minds as much. You're just out here to give them the information so they can do it themselves. Cause like you Mm -hmm. said, we can't change people's minds. We can't change people. I mean, that goes in relationships as well, just so you all know, like you can't change people. So (laughs) worry, the best thing I can tell you is worry about the things that you can change or the things that you can do and what you do have control over. And that means, you know, yourself and putting out the right information out there and making sure that everybody understands that you know, cowgirl fashion is not plaid shirts and Daisy Duke cut off denim. I don't know whatever that is for you, like do what you need to do to showcase the industry as a whole and, you know, have fun with it. You know, you can still do the fashion side of things and still promote this industry. I think, you know, I think that's a cool facet. I think that's a cool bridge that this industry has is fashion. Like you were saying, because what if they see something like that and they think your outfit's cute, but they also read your post and they're like, Hey, like, this is a cool fact. Or like, I learned something. People love fun facts. They come out at parties and all sorts of things. right? (laughs) Like I always take the opportunity at rodeos or other places like that. If I'm sitting around somebody and I start hearing them ask questions in between themselves and stuff, I'll answer them because they're curious and they're wondering and like I don't have to be a jerk and be like you're an idiot like don't you know these things because they don't know those things no one's ever taught them and you know for some of us it is our first rodeo (laughs) yes yes the grocery store is my favorite place
1: I like to watch people reading labels and then be like hey did you know (laughs)
0: right I know I love that I think that's so funny yeah um Anyways, so for my last kind of closing questions, do you have any books or podcasts that you would recommend to people and maybe why? Oh,
1: great, great question. Um, honestly, right now, the ones I would recommend, no one's going to want to read because they're all research-based um, because I'm just drowning in research articles and all of those kinds of things. And usually when I get in my car, that used to be when I would turn on podcasts, but I just like to sit in silence, which is very weird, but it's how <laughs> I like to end my day. Yes. Um, but I a podcast that I think is... Um, shoot, there's literally so many. I think it kind of depends on what you're trying to focus on in your life. Um, for the moment, one that I've been trying to listen to, not as great as I should be probably, but they've been putting out good information is, um, Natalie and Tara with elevate ag. They've done a lot of good kind of, um, interviews with people for business. And then also like the advocacy side of things. That's probably the one I've listened to the most also, uh, Forward farming, I think is what it is, with Becca Hillberry in um or Hilby and um Amber Burstow. Uh Cranberry Chats, Amber Burstow. Um, what else? Those are really ag focused ones, I'd say. Self-development stuff. It depends on what pops up on Spotify usually. <laughs> um, but like I said, I'm I'm knee deep in research articles right now that no one else wants to read. So I'd I'd be happy to give you a list of them if you want. But lots of uh, what do we got extensions role in assessing strengths and needs of communities, stuff
0: like that. So So fun. (laughs) Yeah, exciting, cutting edge. (laughs) All right. uh, What's one question that you wished I'd asked you? And how would you answer it?
1: Ooh, that is a,
0: I like that. See, now I'm going to have to put some of this stuff in my podcast. Uh, I'll send you a see. list of my questions if
1: you want. Perfect. <laughs> we can get perfect. all of them. <laughs> perfect. I know sometimes people are like, how do you come up with questions? And I'm like, I just, it's a casual conversation. It just, huh. wherever, whatever the conversation leads, that's always the best way. Where, where it goes is where it goes. <laughs> yes. Um, A question I wish you would have asked, maybe something about how like the backside, the back end of podcasting or like starting the business in terms of like, w- like what were your day to day, like starting points of some things? Cause I Do think that's it. always interesting. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, go ahead. Answer that one. I'd love to hear it. So I always joke that I attended YouTube university. I am a hundred percent self-taught in literally everything. <laughs> um, I, decided I was gonna do the podcast. I um that was when Zoom was, you know, a hot, a hot new thing. So that was kind of the perfect segue for me. It has the really cool record feature and I do a visual version as well. So it was like the perfect place to record and have video and audio because it will save it as an audio file as well. Um, so that through kind of having Zoom meetings, I figured that part out and then just watching YouTube videos in terms of like How do I use iMovie to edit, which that's probably super old school in terms of the way I edit things, because I'm sure there's a lot more technology and like easier way to do things. But it worked for me in the beginning and I know how to do it now. So I've stuck through that. Um, I did use Audacity in the very beginning to do like my own intro and outro stuff but then I realized I could do all that in iMovie and so I just kind of stopped using that um Canva is my best friend in terms of graphics and all the episode promotion things and then um, trying to find a platform like a hosting platform was probably the next most challenging thing uh I was trying to decide like what can I use that is free first of all because I wasn't making any money from money podcasting <laughs> like and still is that's a sore subject because it's a lot of effort and a lot of time, but the, yeah. the monetization of podcasts is very difficult. And I think initially I was thinking that was going to be very easy and it's, it's definitely not, that's especially not. I would say, especially for this industry because there's like a few big monetization podcasts, but after that it kind of falls off. And I've asked people for advice and they kind of like, Oh, I just kind of do this and hope it works. And that wasn't going to work for me. So That would be the next piece of advice uh, slash I'm still figuring out on my own is monetization. Um, But I chose Anchor because for my platform, because it works well with all of the podcast listening things that you could ever want. There is ad opportunities through that every once in a while and it's free and it stores everything in one spot. You could potentially edit in it if you wanted to. Um, And then probably about a year ago, I guess, maybe a little less than that. I, um, created my own website and added in my podcast to that to give a centralized location for everything. So it connects there,
0: which is easy and nice. That's awesome. Yeah, I know. I, uh, I'll tell you what podcasting, like I thought would be super easy at first and it definitely does take a lot more work. Um, when I originally started podcast, you know, a few years ago, I, I even used to farm out some of my editing, um, which worked for a little bit. And then I was like, it's not working for me. Like I, I wanted it to. And, um, like I use Adobe, um, audition for editing and that was just cause I already had all the Adobe software from mm-hmm. everything else. And, um, I honestly can't remember who I used to host with and I haven't picked a platform yet. Um, since we're pre-recording these, I'm, I'm kind of, again, like I said, doing my research anchor has been one of the ones that I've been looking at for it. Um, I want to say I used to use, I can't remember, but yeah, like you said, it's, it's, there's a lot more that goes into it. And the monetization part was the part I never figured out. And ultimately that was actually why I kind of quit my last podcast other than being outside of that industry. And I wasn't involved with the rodeo industry as much as I used to be, um, it was also because I couldn't, I couldn't find a way to monetize it well enough to make it worth my time. And at the time I just didn't have enough time to go around. So, right, um, you know, that's where I, I handed off my hosting reins. but now that I've kind of freed up a lot more time and I have the ability and I see the need in it. I, you know, I love podcasting. I've had a lot of people that have, you know, asked for advice on different things. And honestly, I think this is the best way to give advice to the masses. Um, You know, if people don't want to do coaching or anything like that, I think this is a great way. Um, And it, it also doesn't hurt anybody to have all that information out there. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I think if people are into podcasting, we've definitely figured out better ways to do it now and cheaper ways to do it. I think. Oh yeah. But yeah.
1: More time efficient (laughs) as well. I'd say.
0: Yeah. And I'm hoping down the road to add the video element into things as well, but, you know, like you said, there's, there's so much that goes into it. Zoom has been great for me. Um, and so I, I'm with you on that. It works out great, but well, um where can listeners find you online? Um you mentioned you've got your website and uh I guess kind of give a lowdown of your different social platforms.
1: Yes, yeah, so you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Ag chicks for um social media purposes, I guess. YouTube channel is Ag chicks for the most part, that's just visual uh versions of the podcast and then my website is www.agchicks.net. And that has anything you would ever need to know about me or the podcast on there. So reach out if you need anything.
0: Cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on here today. I'm so excited. Um, if you guys haven't checked out Allie's podcast, please go check it out. I think she has phenomenal guests on there and um, she's done such a great job with that. And she's so sweet. So if you need anything, she's the the go-to for all of this. So. Thanks so much for having me, Kenzie. I
1: had a lot of fun. You're welcome.
0: Thanks for listening to the Bonafide and Badass Podcast. If you enjoy listening to us, please go ahead and leave us a review as well as follow us on social media and tell your friends. Uh, All we want to do is continue to grow this podcast. And in order to do that, we need your help.